the Swing Coach in Transit podcast. I am your host, Lucas Fejeda. In this episode, I sat down from a distance with Justin Correa, who's the head coach for the Southwest Stars in Orlando, Florida. Prior to his current stint with the Stars, Justin was a head coach for three different clubs, and he's had a long list of accomplishments in the sport everywhere he's gone, including a few training camps for USA Swimming and guest speaker appearances for a few LSCs. He's also involved with governance, both at the LSC and national level. And you might also recognize his last name thanks to his sister, Maritza Correa, who was a part of the US Olympic swimming team in 2004. And he does expand on how seeing her development, as well as his teammate Brooke Bennett, has influenced his coaching, among many other things. As you hear us talk about in the beginning, this chat took place right in the middle of the country or worldwide lockdown to slow the spread of COVID-19. Also evidenced by his kids and my dog on the background and me getting distracted by whatever was happening in and around my house. But that means we did spend about 10 minutes at the start talking about how that's affected his day-to-day and what he's doing to keep his team engaged during this time. We also talked about lessons learned and things we might continue doing once we're back to normalcy. And we all hope that happens soon. So, here's another episode of the Swim Coaching Transit podcast with Justin Correa. All right, Justin, thank you so much for agreeing to take the time. Thanks for having me there, Lucas. I'm excited about this. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. Unfortunately, I can't do this in person, which I would love to do. But <laughs> right now, we're, we're, uh, we're doing this online and figuring out ways to, to do this uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's where our world is right now, especially our swimming world. And, uh, you know, it's opened up a whole different platform of communication for us. So yeah. uh, whatever works, works, right? That's, that's right. Yeah. So if people are listening to this in a, in a distant future, by any chance, we are today is April 6, 2020. So if you know anything, hopefully at one point people will forget how much this means in terms yeah. of the March and April of 2020 there. But right now we are in the midst of the, the lockdown and, and trying to slow the spread of COVID-19. And so we're obviously the whole world has stopped and the swimming world has been no different. And yeah. so the first thing that I like to ask with that is for people that are listening to this uh, before the lockdown ends, maybe, is uh, what are you doing with your team? How are you uh, making sure your team is engaged uh, with, with the kind of uh, limitations we have right now? Well, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, it's been one of those things where we've really uh, started to really understand like how technology works these days, you know, and. Uh, for me and my assistants, like we went in a crash course on how to use Zoom, which is the platform we're using right now. Um, you know, at first uh, we'd heard that other teams were doing it. And, uh, you know, my wife actually had used the, the, the basics of Zoom before for some of her meetings. And uh, so I kind of had some prior knowledge before it. Um, but last week uh, when we were actually really on lockdown, we had no kids in the water. Um, we decided to have group meetings, so we'd have to send out the invites to all our summers, and we just had a big, giant team meeting, so to speak, and, you know, we just basically covered, like, you know, what, how they were feeling, you know. Um, it was good because, uh, unfortunately, this all started right before the seniors' championship season. You know, our age groupers had their, their flags, um, but for, you know, our senior champs and above kids, I mean, they got cut right off underneath them. I mean, the day of senior champs is when 
the noise came down from the governor that we couldn't have any gatherings over 500 people and or 200 people, whatever it was. And so, uh, you know, everybody was scrambling at that point. And we as a team were figuring out, we're, okay, well, how can we make this work? You know, um, we're out of the water now. Um, you know, we want to make sure that everybody stays engaged because, you know, there are two routes you could take. You go and not do anything and then have everybody just kind of sit around and move around and just be getting motivated. And, you know, you risk the, the chance of, you know, those kids not coming back or you be proactive and you try to do things that'll keep them engaged with the team to make them want to still feel like they're part of something. And, uh, you know, our first group meeting, you know, we, we, it was crazy. We had like 30 kids on the screen, which, you know, <laughs> I wish, and I'm sure a lot of other coaches could, 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 could agree with this. Wish we could press a mute button at practice like you can on this, <laughs> this service. <laughs> that was amazing. But, uh, but, you know, when they were all there, it's kind of crazy because we were all so excited to see each other. Uh, and it had only been like five or six days since they'd seen each other. So it was really cool to see that happen afterwards. Yeah. And you're doing – you also mentioned uh, before we hit record here, you're, you're also taking the time to do some uh, group, some individual meetings, little meetings, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, we're um, – like my assistant and I, you know, you know, decided to do these goal meetings, quote unquote goal meetings. Um, but it was really like kind of like a, a daily checkup on our swimmers. So we uh, set up a time period between like two and five and had like half an hour blocks where they had to tell us when they could meet up with us. Cause you know, they, they're also on virtual school as well. It was just right. a really good way to kind of go a, a two on one talk on like, you know, how they were feeling, especially as seniors, you know, can, like I said, their championship meet got taken away from them. Uh, how they're feeling, you know, and then talking about, like, what's next, you know, and trying to keep them motivated, say, well, you know, you did a good job this season. This probably would have happened, you know. When we get back in the water, we could do this. But for now, make sure that you're working out, staying fit, you know, and just giving a little bit more of a personalized touch to what we're doing, you know, instead of just having a group meeting and that's it. Right. Yeah. And which kind of, uh, again, we, we briefly talked about this uh, before we started recording, but the one thing that I think this kind of forced us to learn all this technology and find new ways to interact with our athletes, is there anything that you're doing right now and that you're seeing right now that you hope that when we go back to kind of a more normal scenario, you, are, you continue to do or you continue to use? Yeah, well, one of the things, you know, that, that I've always been really big about with my teams is, like, I like to have a lot of team meetings, whether it's weekly or biweekly or, or every so often. Um, you know, just keep to pull them out of the water and just talk about things, the dry side of things. And, you know, by this whole experience here, my assistant and I have come up with so many different ideas, like how we could do that better without having to get out of the water or have, how to take, you know, time off of dry land or get out early to, to talk about things that we could just maybe set up a, a weekly meeting like this, where we just talk about what we want to talk about in a really serious matter, you know, and right. uh, you know, they're not, we don't miss out on training time and um, you know, we can show them videos and then things like that that we want them to see. Cause that's basically what we do when we have our team meetings, we pull them out and show them videos or it's just be talking about you know, motivation and things like that. So um, I think this is definitely something we're going to use when all this is over, you know, to make it better for ourselves. Right. And then I guess last 
question. I mean, I'm sure because this is the scenario we're, we're in right now, we're going to go back and forth and cover some stuff about the, the current situation. But my last question that I'd like to, to do before we go over the, the normal things is what, what do you think you miss the most right now from more, from more like our normal? Oh man, I'm, I'm, I miss being outside. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I miss being outside. I mean, I, like, you know, I'm down here in Florida and, uh, even before this all started, the, 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 it was pretty hot out there and, you know, we were dying and we were like, oh man, summer's going to suck. It's going to be pretty warm. But now I'm actually indoors. I'm getting a little pale and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I miss, I miss being outside to be honest with you and just being right by the water. I really feel that, uh, even actually doing so many zoom calls in a row, you know, my eyes can't handle it. And I'm like, geez, I don't know how people that look at a computer all day do this. Cause I, uh, this is not my, not my area of expertise. You know, it's not my, not my, I guess my happy, I'm, it's my, I'm in my happiest place because I'm at home. I'm with my kids. I'm with my family. But if this was like an everyday thing and I had an office, I don't know how I would be able to handle it. Uh, I definitely miss being at the water. I miss seeing the, the submerged and, and being, having that inner constant interaction with them. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I so. can see that it's, uh, being, I guess being being swim coaches are we're so used to having that interaction in person with with these kids, and that's definitely yeah. like it's it, it that's the part that I miss the most right now for sure. It's like having that. Yeah. I think we we were not outdoors yet out here, so I, I guess I didn't have that <laughs> yeah. going going inside <laughs> going indoors. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess kind of like we said, we there is a lot of uncertainties. We're we're doing the best we can here, finding yeah. ways to manage, but. Uh, also, yeah. to a degree, looking forward to having some sort of normalcy. Yeah. Back. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, you never know what might come out of this. I mean, like I've, I'm learning a lot about technology with with all this stuff, and we might continue to use this as this is over with. Right. So, yeah. Um, but I think the important thing, you know, with with doing these these kind of calls and, and doing you know these these two on ones or the group meetings is just to reassure the kids that we're still on their side. We still want. We still care about them. And it's kind of keeping the bigger picture in mind, you know, what we were trying to accomplish. You know, it's not just about, you know, finding that next swim, but to be part of an organization, you know, and to, to keep our bodies fit despite, you know, everything that might be going around the world, we still have to, you know, work with each other and be together as a unit. Yeah, you know, absolutely. These hard times. Yeah. yeah, I think some of the – now that I hadn't thought about it, but, but it, it did open my eyes, some of the seminars that people put out there saying that that should be the first thing you cover with the kids is how much you're, uh, I'm getting a call. I don't know how the client is. <laughs> that was weird. Uh, so, um, yeah, how much it is, this is about telling the kids that we still are a team, even though we're not swimming together right now. And there's, uh, there's more to it than just searching for the next time drop yeah. or things like that. And, and, and yeah. there for the kids, I think that, and I think they do appreciate that from, from what I can tell. And the parents appreciate that as well. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they totally appreciate it. I mean, the, the one the thing that we got out of the, the two on one meetings was the kids, we asked them like what they thought about the group meeting and that, you know, their number one answer was like just getting to see everybody and to, to know that everybody's, you know, working out and, and staying fit but everybody's doing it. It's not just me. So 
right. It's just a good thing. Yeah. That's great. All right. So uh, going to kind of go towards what, what would be the, the more normal path of, a, of our interview here. Yeah. Uh, if you were in a, a kind of a normal day-to-day -day scenario. So the first thing that I ask everybody is to just talk about their path to their current position or current scenario. And when I ask that, I say you can be as succinct or as uh, descriptive as you want. And, and it can start with you as an athlete and how that progresses to a coach or if, whatever you feel like uh, has played a role in, yeah. in the way you, you got to, to the present path. So just kind of a, share that with us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, um, you know, I got into sport kind of late. I started swimming when I was 12. And uh, the reason I got into it is because my sister, um, Maritza, Maritza Karaya, she's a 2004 uh, Olympian for the U.S., a silver medalist. She uh, she got into way before I did, and uh, you know it was one of those kind of things that my parents like. Well, if she's going to do it, you're going to do it too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And I, you know, I'm the older brother, so uh, unfortunately, I got taken out of taken out of soccer and got thrown into swimming. Uh, not that I didn't mind or anything like that, but you know, I think my first couple of years of doing the sport, I didn't really like it that much. Uh, you know, because I wasn't that good and. Um, you know, I didn't, it, you know, when I got into high school, I got a lot better. And eventually, you know, I got it, made it to juniors, which was the highest I ever got. But both of us swam for Peter Banks down in uh, Brandon, Florida um, during those times. You know, he coached uh, Brooke Bennett to uh, the gold medals in 96 and 2000s. And, um, you know, like our team was very, very successful back then. And uh, so I came from uh, that kind of atmosphere where, you know, swimming was your life and you did what you could to reach nationals, you know, it was a distance based program, um, you know, got pushed pretty hard back then. Peter, I love Peter to death. He's, he's one of my mentors now. Uh, back then I had, you know, he, he definitely put the fear of God in us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He laughs to hear that because I think he still uses that to his advantage now when I see him. Um, <laughs> but you know, he, uh, he was a very, very tough coach, but he was a great coach. You know, we knew that he cared about us. And, um, yeah, I made the decision when I was a senior in high school that I didn't want to swim in college. I just, I just went to UF, University of Florida, on uh, academics, and, you know, I didn't pursue swimming in college. So that pretty much ended my, my swimming career. You know, that, and I kind of wasn't really that into it back then, you know, which is funny now because my, uh, my friends who knew me back then they look at me and they're like, you're a swim coach? I thought you didn't like swimming that much. And I was like, well, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> um, but a few years after, uh, you know, actually like towards the end of my, my college career or college experience, um, I was working odd jobs and I was, uh, <laughs> people think this is funny when I write on this, but I, I sold beer at the Tampa Bay Lightning Stadium <laughs> and I was going up and down, you know, with those big carts selling beer there and one of my old assistants uh sean deliri saw me and he's like hey what are you doing you need to not do that and yeah i got something better for you and he uh he was working in this place in, in temple church which is just outside of tampa at a rec center and uh he's like he's like just you know drop that let's you know i'll get you a job as a, as a lifeguard this is way better than selling beer and at that point in time i was like you know anything's better than this because Although I got to see the lightning games, uh, just getting there and just—it was just not a fun experience doing that. So if you ever go to those games again, you see those guys selling beer, give them a high five because it's a really 
tough job. They're not just <laughs> enjoy the game, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, but anyway, I started out as a lifeguard at Temple Terrace, and um, you know, eventually he he come up to me. He's like, "Hey, why don't you teach some lessons over here?" And then he's like, "Hey, I have this little group over here, this little summer team. Why don't you why don't you come and teach these guys how to swim?" And I realized that I was actually really good at teaching kids how to swim. Um, you know, I was very into it. Like it was something that I really, truly enjoyed. It was just, you know, being around kids and showing them something they'd never done before. And eventually, like, he brought me on the staff um, with the team that he was coaching there. So it was really kind of by accident that I got even involved in the, in the sport and, and coaching uh, the way I have because, you know, it wasn't part of my plan to do. You know, my plan is to be a teacher and, that's that's where I wanted to do, and he convinced me that I could be pretty good at coaching, and so um, I learned a lot from a lot of uh, what to do and what not to do, um, you know, because uh, you know, he wasn't around for very long. He uh, he brought me on staff, and then a couple years later, he took off, and um, you know, at the time, I didn't really know why, and then you know, some bad things happened after that. And I learned a lot from that whole experience um, of what not to do as a coach, because it's going to come back and get you if you, if you do. And I, and, you know, I, I say that because I, I truly believe in like, although he brought me in the sport and he was trying to get me into something, he also taught me what not to do, the, the perils of, you know, doing stupid things behind the, behind the scenes and, I've always been very aware of that ever since. And now I got into when I was 21 and now 23 years later, yeah, I still hold to those values of uh, what not to do. And I see yeah, coaches who start going down that path and it's, it's not worth it at all. Right. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I coached there right before he left. I was a head agent coach and he took off and I got, uh, got, thrown into becoming a head coach at, uh, I think I was 22. And, um, you know, at that point, I mean, I knew a little bit about swimming, but not much at all. I mean, it's just really the basics of, uh, of, of swimming. And then, you know, I had a couple of kids who were, uh, you know, junior Olympic level, uh, senior champ level in Florida. Um, and I didn't really know what to do with them. You know, like I had really coached that level before. And so it kind of kind of put me into this whole realm of like, well, I have two options. Either I can wing this or I could really, you know, hone into the, to, to the craft and to figure out like how to coach these kids, you know, the, to help them get through this, this period of time. Um, when all this went down, you know, our team was probably about 60 um, before I left. Uh, after he left, we doomed all the way down to 13. Wow. And so it was a huge, huge, like slap in the face to me. And, and, yeah, later on, I found out there's a lot of talking behind them, which happens. Yeah. Um, um, about, you know, why they left. I should, should interject. It happens, but it's very, it's still unfortunate. And I don't think it benefits anybody. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know. But for those 13 kids, actually, I, I should say nine kids because four of them were master swimmers. Uh, so nine <laughs> kids, um, you know, like I was still at a point where I was working at the facility as a lifeguard. So, I mean, coaching wasn't my main. Like uh, I guess uh, money maker. Yeah, I looked at those nine kids, and like I, we had a couple older kids, and, and I really wanted to try to make a difference in in what they were, where they were going, and so I just made the decision to really, you know, 
educate myself with with swimming and understand like how to train kids and you know I hit the books hard I, I saw like it was like a good like year or two years of becoming an ASCA member and like doing all the levels and, and, and really understanding educating myself with what to do because I didn't have a mentor I didn't have somebody above me telling me what to do I mean when Sean left he left me with nothing he just basically told me he's like here do your thing do what you were told when you swam which I think a lot of coaches do now unfortunately but I you know I, I took it upon myself to learn about it and um, within, I'd say, a year, like, I'd say two or three years, we grew up all the way up to about 50, then 60, uh, probably like five or six years into it. I had my first uh, junior national summer that came out of there. Um, and I was there for a good eight years uh, before I decided to take the path, my next path out of there. And, you know, my, my decision to leave there wasn't easy. But I felt like I needed more. I, I was at the point in my life where I had to make a decision whether to become a swim coach or to become a teacher. And I decided to give myself another shot at becoming a swim coach. So I uh, moved up to Georgia and um, I linked up with uh, Coach Lee Stockslager at Swim Making. And so that's how a lot of you Georgia folks know me is because I got yes. coached at, at Georgia for a while. Um, at the time, you know, Lee – you know, he, he, would ha he was having a hard time, like, you know, keeping coaches there. Uh, it was like a kind of revolving door of coaches. And, um, you know, a lot of it was, you know, it's Lee. Well, he, he's, a, he's a tough guy. He's, uh, he's a very hard – in my mind, I, I see Lee in a whole different way than a lot of other people see him. And then a lot of other people see him as this really quiet guy who's he's got a really, like, strong demeanor, you know, and he's – you know, he's, he's very committed to what he's doing. He's also a dentist on the side, you know, as his main job. And, um, you know, a lot of coaches weren't able to understand, like, what he really envisioned for the team. And so I got up there, and, and I 100% agreed with everything he was saying, and I saw the, the vision that he saw, and he actually became one of my biggest mentors of my life, even today. Like, I look at I think of things that he told me back then, of how to become a leader and how to become a coach and that I use to today. And then I pass on to the, the younger coaches. Um, before that, you know, I, I was just a, a regular rec coach who just, you know, I knew a lot about swimming because of everything I studied about it. But I didn't really like have those personal interactions with other coaches. You know, I didn't go out there and ask for ideas, you know, or he had like, you know the, the bar conversations where we just talk about swimming and you know, things like that I was really to myself and he showed me he's like every time we I'd go to a meet with him he would introduce me to the top guys he's like hey this is this is Justin Cry he's he's working with us he's my new head coach and I created that that relationship like instantly and I'll never forget that I do that right now with my assistants I always introduce them to, to the higher ups um and he just told me, he's like, the only way you're going to really learn how to, how, to, how to do this is by opening your mind and opening your – I'm a very shy person. And, and opening my circle into bringing in other ideas to, to coach. So I spent a good four years in making – and <laughs> everybody's going to laugh about this, but four years is very, very long. I, uh, I, I set the record for the longest-running head coach at that time. <laughs> four years. <laughs> I think uh, Jason Swain is there right now. Just yeah, broke the record. Yeah, so. I think Jason might have broken the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, uh, you know, I, 
kudos to him. But, you know, I, I loved uh, Coach Lee to death. And uh, I learned a lot from that guy, a lot. Um, after that, I, uh, I came down back home to, uh, to Brandon. Uh, and I worked under Coach uh, – or Chuck Burgess, who coached uh, for a while down here in Orlando and uh, in the Clearwater area. And he was running the Brandon Blue Wave, and that's the team that I swam for when I when I grew up. And I, I took the opportunity because of that, because it was the team that I, that I truly believed in, um, that I grew up with, and I thought that this, that that was going to be, you know, where I was going to stay for a long time. Um, unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Three years later, I although I had some great experiences there, and I was able to take a couple kids to Olympic trials there, uh, it just wasn't the right fit for me. And um, fast forward a little bit after that, I, I moved out here to Orlando with the Southwest Stars. I've been here for uh, seven years now, which is crazy. Um, and this has been my home. And uh, this is where it's one of those teams where I put everything I've learned from my last three teams, the only three teams I coached, and put it, everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, into this. And we've become very successful. Uh, when I got here, we were good, like, you know, flag level, season champ level team, and we had a girl that made Olympic trials in the last uh, last quadrennium, and we've uh, been able to hit the national level for a while, for every year since, and it's uh, something I've been very, very proud of and been happy to be a part of here. That's cool. So there's a couple things that you mentioned there that I, I might try to like pull some threads from. So starting with. You already mentioned some names, but uh, if you want to kind of complement the list in terms of your mentors along along this way, yeah, yeah, uh, Peter Banks. He, um, it's funny, like he he coached me as a kid, um, you know. And although, you know, I cherish those moments as as a swimmer swimming under him, I feel like he's actually coached me more as a coach than than never. You know, he's. Uh, He's still in the area. He moved back to Florida. He was the the Irish uh, director of swimming over there in Ireland. Um, and he came back a few years ago. Um, but I've always kept in touch with him. And uh, it's funny, like, uh, I had my first swimmer make uh, Olympic trials in 08. And uh, he was there because he, he, he was still coaching at Blue Wave. And uh, we got together to have a beer. <laughs> 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 and, like, it was, it was kind of surreal that I was drinking beer with my old coach. But, right. you know, it's become like – it was actually like uh, the, the, the beginnings of a great friendship and a great mentorship at that point because I stopped becoming the summer and it was more of, of the, the coaching aspect. And one of the things that, you know, I've learned from him is how to become a leader in the sport mostly, you know. So it wasn't just about training. It was about, you know, taking action and, and understanding the politics to go with, with the sport and to, to t take a stand and to um, really understand that, you know, my voice matters. And, uh, you know, he's coached me through so many things, like the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, because he's seen it all. And I think it's so important for so many of us to have those kind of mentors that have been there for a long time because, you know, they've, they've experienced a lot of the same experiences that we have. Yeah. And then um, I – I know I'm kind of going all over the place here. Uh, Chuck Burgess, he uh, yeah, he was a level five ASCA coach for uh, YTO in Orlando uh, for a long time, and he became the athletic the director for 
uh, Brandon Sports and Aquatic Center. He still is right there, but he he had that super coaching experience as well. And you know, one of the things I learned from him is, um, I guess, just uh, managing the team and understanding like, you know, how to build a strong team. You know, from the basics, basically, because you know, each team that I've coached, I've been able to go from small numbers to big numbers. And a lot of that's a lot of uh, heartache, uh, the admin side and just promotion, you know, direction, understanding what your mission is and things like that. Yeah. So. And you also, uh, the other thing that you mentioned during your story in passing, and I feel like I have to ask is that Maritza, uh, your sister, was an Olympic level athlete. So yeah. even though you were not, I mean, you, you still made junior nationals, which I think is pretty impressive. But uh, you were not yeah, at, the, at, at the highest echelon uh, as an athlete still. But you, were, you saw somebody go through that path and make that very, very, very top of the sport. Yeah. Do you think that, that having seen that experience uh, in, your, in your household or, uh, kind of guides any of your, your coaching nowadays? Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention that because, you know, I – I always play off the fact that I made junior nationals as a kid. And, and the reason I always played it off is because there were so many people on our team that were way faster than I was, <laughs> you know, like back, those were the days where, you know, the teams that, that were around there, were, there weren't that many of them. So those teams that were strong were really, really strong, you know? So coach Peter had a he had multiple uh, national uh, level athletes on our team, you know, and internationals. So even have junior, when I had junior nationals, I really didn't feel like that special there at all, um, you know. And um, I think in being part, being having that experience and being part of that atmosphere, really, like you said, it, it molded me to where I am now. Because I mean, my sister is six years old, younger than I am, um, so I got to see how she developed from like a little girl to an Olympian. But at the same time, I was there when Brooke Bennett. Um, won those gold medals, you know, and she's, Brooke's not that much younger than I am. And so I saw the, the hard work that she put in to get to where she was. I mean, that girl was, you know, she trained her butt off yeah. to get to where she was, you know, and um, uh, I, I I have the highest respect for her. She, she and I are still really good friends right now. And, you know, I think that those days I've seen the type of effort it takes to get to those, those high levels. And I try to push that with our kids too right now in the water. You know, I, um, I don't get impressed very much by, by swims, um, you know, and, and I try to tell them, and, you know, sometimes they, they, they look at me, they're like, oh, that was really fast. I was like, that was okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was all right. I mean, you know, that, that's all right. You know, it's, you know, I, I try to keep them grounded in the fact that, like, yeah, they, they might see fast swims, but if you work hard, you can get that fast, too. You know, when I'm trying to talk to my, my seniors about, you know, making nationals or anything like that, and they look at the cuts, they're like, oh, wow, those cuts are so fast. I remind them, I was like, well, you look at these cuts, yeah, they may be fast, but then you look at the psych sheet, you know, they see how many kids make There's these cuts. Hundreds of hundreds of kids per, per yeah. event, right? Yeah, and so it's like, yeah, you're like, okay, well, if they can do it, why can't you? Right. You know, and it's just all, it's all a matter of putting put the the brawn and the the and have that mindset to want to get there. And 
I mean, I was around it when I was a kid, and, and I still think that way. It's just funny, like, how I've become the, the, the coach that I am right now because I, back then, as a swimmer, I didn't really think that way. It's just, just weird. If I would have known what I know now, you know, I probably, I probably would have made the 96 trials too, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I try to pass it on, you know, and that, and that's, that's the important thing to me is, is passing on the belief that you can do it, but giving them a pathway of how to do it. It's like, you know, if you follow this path, this is what's going to happen, you know, and, and I'm still very old school the way I, I trade my, my swimmers. Um, but I, I believe in, in not, um, not selling for mediocre, you know, and, and sometimes in, in today's world, that's kind of like, you know, been kind of hard to deal with because kids have changed so much in the past like 20 something years. And, um, you know, they're not as willing to jump on the, on the hard work bandwagon as they had been, been in the past, but the ones who do reap the rewards from it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so, you know, you know, my sister, when she swam, she, she trained her, her butt off. I mean, she was just like Brooke, you know, didn't take anything for granted, you know, and it's, uh, it was very fulfilling to see her reach her goal when she did, because, you know, I did see the things at home and, and, um, you know, with the putting the times on her, on her mirror, you know, and then having her idol, uh, cause she, she, she idolized A.B. Van Dyken. And I couldn't tell you how many mornings I woke up, I'd see a picture of Amy Van Dyken in our, on our mirror, but that's who she wanted to be, you know? And it went from having her picture on there to making a, a national league where she met her and then she replaced the picture of her and Amy Van Dyken, you know, on the mirror. Right. <laughs> and then the, the crazy thing about all that is that when she went to college or she swam for Georgia, she broke Amy Van Dyken's American record in the 50. So it was kind of like, wow, you know, somebody who's been driven for that long since she was, I'd say, sort of like 11 or 12. So when she turned 20, 21 to break that record, that's, that's an unbelievable story to me. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That, thanks, thanks for sharing that one. That's, yeah, that's yeah, really nice. Uh, yeah. She, uh, and my sister, you know, I, I'll be, I, I think I'm like her biggest cheerleader. Aside from my mom, I'm like my, my sister's biggest cheerleader. In fact, they're like, there are so many things that she's done in her life, you know, and she sacrificed when she was younger for swimming that she's reaping rewards from now, you know, now she's, she works for, um, um, Oshkosh Bagosh as a marketing director, but she also moonlights as a USA swimming ambassador and her time is not, <laughs> you know, she, I don't know how she schedules her life. It's just so amazing to me that she's able to, schedule all these things that she has to do, but she's able to do it because I think because of her experience as a younger athlete and as a national level athlete trying to balance everything. It's just like balancing school. She balances her life. She has, she has two kids and a husband and um, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that she can do that. So yeah, I, I use her example a lot with my athletes. You know, if you figure out a way of balancing your life, you know, it, that it, it works for you, you can do it. You know, if you want something bad enough, you'll be able to balance it out to make it work for you. I don't think there's never not a solution to make something work. Right. It's a matter of finding what your real priorities are, I guess. Yeah. 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 All right. So you, the other thing you mentioned there, at some point in, in your career, you had to really take a 
deep dive on into books and, and learning. And I don't know if you have any specific books that you use then or that you use more recently or other resources that you use to, uh, to learn that you like to share. Well, it's funny. Like if you come into my office at, at the swim pool, I have like every single like newsletter, uh, you know, trading book that I've ever used in my, in my life there. You know, I always use it as a reference point. I don't really have like one specific one. I'd say like, I, I call it the, like my Bible or encyclopedia, but McGlisco's uh, Swimming Faster book, the yeah. big blue one that everybody has. Yeah. You know, uh, Coach, Coach Lee got me into that book. And, you know, I always use it as my reference point for anything that I need to, to go get into. It. You know, because it is truly like an encyclopedia of anything. Anything that could go wrong for your athletes, just look it up in there. And it's probably Take an look, yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one that, that actually a few other people mentioned uh, in the podcast already. And it's not, it's not a book to read cover to cover. It is a book to use it as a reference guide and yeah. look for whatever you're, you're looking at right now. And it is, I think that's, that's on the third edition, right? Yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's, it's a great book. I mean, there's so many things that happen with, with athletes and, you know, we may have some of the answers, may not have some of the answers, but, you know, it's good to, you know, look it up. And sometimes the fun in looking things up is, you know, you find the answers that way. Right. And is there any, uh, I guess, two separate questions. Is there any non-book resource that you think people should keep an eye on for uh, either a website or blog or YouTube channel or something like that? And, and then a separate question is, is there any, non-swimming book or non-swimming resource that you think is really helpful well i um you know with the with the swimming part i guess i'm very old school in a way that like i i don't quite buy into really new things right at once you know so it's it's hard for me to um and i tell my my assistant coaches this all the time you know it's, it's hard for me to go on youtube and see something really cool that looks cool but then i always overanalyze oh why is it cool <laughs> <laughs> you know, like well yeah why is it just cool because it looks cool or is it cool because it can be beneficial you know and i i i, I tell my assistants this all the time it's because it looks cool doesn't mean that it's probably good for your athletes you really have to make sure you understand what you're looking at and what you're thinking about implementing to make sure it works with what your your program's all about um i would say like yeah i i I guess I pay attention to things on Swim Swam. You know, I'm on, I'm on Facebook, so I look at the Coach Exchange every once in a while, even though it can get kind of nasty from time to time. <laughs> that, that one sometimes does get nasty. Yeah. But, I mean, there have been some offshoot groups that have come out of it, and, you know, and, and those those are really good um, ways of finding out what other people are doing, you know, and then looking at, you know, asking questions of, like, you know, how can I fix this, you know? Um, I think – it's funny enough with, with everything that's going on right now. Um, you know, a few of my, my really good coaching friends and I, we've gotten together on these zoom calls as well. And those have been really good platforms to say, well, how, you know, I'm having this problem. Um, you know, what do you guys do about this? So the communication has, you know, exploded because of that. Right. Um, but I would say like, like website wise, you know, not really like I, I don't really get into websites and, study them or not it's really more of a book kind of guy if there's anything that that that, that you have any questions on, i just go to my reference books um i was lucky to talk to my reference books um 
this goes back to Coach Peter, and if he listens to this, then he knows where it went. Um, he left a bunch of books after I took over Brandon, um, and one of the books was East German training uh, protocols from like the the mid eighties. Yeah. And uh, it's this manuscript of all this science, and it's really hard to get through. I've been kind of, yeah. Every once in a while, I go back in there and I look at it and I read. It. I'm like, oh man, this is unbelievable that he that he had it. Um, but it's just books like that just fascinate me. You know, the right. older that I get, the the more I start understanding. You know, because we could say, oh, I've been coaching for twenty something years. I know a lot about swimming. There's really so much more out there that we don't know. And, you know, I always just reference books. I don't, I'm not a big internet kind of guy, internet searching okay. kind of guy. Um, outside of swimming, I'm, I'm really big on uh, football coaches. Um, okay. Like I got a lot of like motivation wise stuff from, from football coaches. Like I'm, although I'm a Florida Gator, I, I, bre- <laughs> I bleed orange and blue. I have a lot of respect for Bobby Bowden, who coaches FSU, who coached FSU. Um, just to his demeanor and, and the way he – his coaching philosophy has been a huge part of me and, and the way I coach. And um, it's old school, but it's just one of those things that he – I think, you know, they kind of touched on it on that, 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 that story with um, the Marshall story because uh, he – they portrayed him in that movie – um, and he was coaching back then, but like he um, had the, the, the coach style where he would love his swimmers. Like he, he would, he wouldn't like necessarily scream at them, you know, but, but he would make them feel really bad if they did something wrong, mm-hmm. you know? And for some reason, like I'm able to do that. Like I'm not a big yeller. I'm not a big screamer. Um, but I do make, make them feel really bad if they do something really, really bad. And everybody that's ever known me or met me uh, knows that I have a very, um, low demeanor. I'm not very, um, I'm very approachable. I'm not scary looking. Um, but I've, I've learned a lot from that guy, just reading, reading his stuff and reading the way he is, how to coach period. It's the art of coaching, I guess. So yeah. Which is pretty cool too. I guess another thing that you had mentioned is you were, you thought you were on track to become a teacher versus a coach. And I, I always argue that it's, they're kind of the same thing. Yeah. A lot of things you learn to be a teacher. And I think a lot of my, my undergrad had parts of teacher uh, education into it. And I didn't realize at the time, but it, it really helps me nowadays in terms of uh, the way you interact with the kids day to day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it took me a while to realize that, like, both of those, those things were both, – both those things in my life were in, interactive, I guess. Yeah. You know, because I never always seemed to separate the two of them. I never really thought being a teacher and being a coach were the same until I got older. And then I realized – I was like, I'm doing everything that I'm to school for, you know. And um, it, it's in my, my family because my, my great-grandfather – was a superintendent of schools, and so he really pushed being being uh, you know education and all that. And I I'm a really big proponent at also. Like I'm, yeah. I feel like I'm constantly teaching, whether it's my athletes or my coaches, um, or my own children. Yeah, you know, like I always feel like I, I everybody has something to learn, no matter how old or how young you are. You can 
pick up something and be, have somebody that they'll be able to, to portray it to you in a different way. Okay. All right. So uh, in that path of yours, would you say you have, you kind of already mentioned some stories in terms of learn, learning the negatives from, from watching other people, which I think is good, but is there any story you can think of that would be kind of a personal failure or when things did not go the way you planned them to go and that set a foundation for a future success kind of taught you a, a very important lesson? I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there, there are quite a, quite a few. I mean, I always, I think like the, the, the best people in this world learn from their failures, you know, and, um, you know, when I, I you know, I, just like any coach, like we, we've, we've had kids who we've, we've coached all the way up from younger kids. And then all of a sudden they get older and they decide, Oh, well, this isn't where I want to go. And then they leave and they go to another program and, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking at the same time, you know? Um, yeah, I think would be like, like I've had a few of those experiences, and I think as coaches, we, you know, we, we hold those feelings in and we think there's something that we've done that's, that's wrong. Um, but I think like with every, like, it hasn't happened to me in a while, but, um, you know, the first couple of times it, it happened is only because my team wasn't good enough, hmm. you know, and I'd say, I'd say going to my first team, um, you know, I had a few summers who were really good and then, once they got to a certain level, they'd go to the next team that was bigger than we are. And I used to take that very, very personally. But then after a while, I realized, like, you know, if I want to stop that, then I have to do something about it. And so I've, I got in a mindset, like, well, if my team's not good enough, I need to make my team good enough. You know, and, and that's where I am right now. Like, you look at all the other teams I've coached, I've always tried to make them better than what I've, when I first got there. And even with Southwest Stars right now, like, I want our team to be the best. Like, I don't want our, our summers to want to say, oh, there's somewhere better for us to go. I want us to be the best. So I think, like, having that experience of, and that heartache of have, losing kids, you know, we take it so personally. But at the same time, if you learn from it, it uh, you know, makes you stronger as a person. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And so why would you – Again, still thinking, thinking about your whole career, what would you say was the, the best career decision you've made up to this point? Best career? Actually, the coaching at Southwest Stars. Southwest. <laughs> I mean, this has been uh, probably the happiest I've been in my entire career. Like, uh, I have, uh, we don't have a board of directors. I have one boss. You know, I listen to her. She owns a property. We have our own pools. Um, and you know, she gives me, I wouldn't say full reign of like how to manage a team, but I manage a team, you know, and, and, and we talk about issues that we may have, you know, and it's just, it's very hard. Like I've come from the board, board teams. I've come from city teams where you're always, it's always a constant fight to get what you want, you know, for your summers. My situation, you know, it's if I have something that I think is good for the kids, I'd set up a meeting, we talk about it, and then it either gets done or doesn't get done, yeah. you know. But it's the, the frustration part is kind of taken out, and so I'm very, very happy where I am with that, you know. And I feel like we just built a, a new pool on our property, um, of course, you know, we're going through this, uh, <laughs> this pandemic right now, so it's, it's actually, it was supposed to open two weeks ago, and that's when it. Well, it's happened. 
but we're constantly getting bigger and um and, and better and like i just uh i'm very happy there like you know i have three children of my own a wife um when i was young a younger coach i never thought that was going to happen to me um i thought i was going to be single for the rest of my life and not have any kids and uh, you know personal story is kind of sad but my my father passed away about 10 years ago and uh when he was on his deathbed you know i realized that yeah, maybe I did really want him to have a family. And I um, I always thought to myself, there's no way I could have a family with, with what I do. There's just this whole balance of life. There's, I see all the guys who are married and how, you know, how they're, they're, they had many more gray hairs than I did. <laughs> uh, you know, and I just couldn't see myself doing that. But I made a decision after he passed away that I would at least try to make an effort to have at least one kid. And uh, fast forward to now, I have three young boys and a lovely wife. And we, you know, we live a, a nice life here in Orlando. And I'm able to make it work, you know, with the, with the position I'm at right now. And uh, I have a lot more gray hairs, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, but, uh, but it's, been, it's been great. It's, uh, we, we've created a really good atmosphere at the club with our summers and just uh, very family-oriented um, and this is something that I've, I've always kept us from, from when those, those first seven summers I had at Temple Terrace. Let's always keep a family atmosphere and keep family first. And um, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But I'm very happy where I'm at right now. I, I, I call this my 25-year position. Hmm. And I've been here for seven years. So got a couple more years left. A couple more years to go. That's pretty cool. And so you mentioned you've been coaching for just over 20 years overall, right? Yeah. And if you could go back in time, about 20 years, and give yourself advice as a starting coach, what advice would you give yourself? You know, it, it's funny. I, I, there's a lot of things that I wouldn't change, but I think if I were to change one thing, I would, I would tell myself to talk to as many coaches as possible, you know, and, and to, to not be afraid to talk to the, to the top coaches out there. You know, I think as a young coach, we're, young coaches, we're always afraid to speak up or even meet some of the people, some of the coaches have been doing it for so long, but they're just like us. They're very, they're very open. For the most part, most of them are very open to talking and to passing on their knowledge. I think that the longer I do this, the more I, I see that I want to invest in those younger coaches to make them better. You know, I look at my coaches right now, my own staff. It's like, I want them to be better. I want our country to be better and I think um if I told myself back then I was like you know I should have reached out to a lot more of the coaches back then um who it's funny because I'm quite friends with them now but if I would create those relationships earlier I think it would have been further along than where I am right now right yeah because sometimes it is a little intimidating or it might feel intimidating for the younger coaches but I I agree that I don't think I've ever had a, a situation where I approached one of the legends of the sport of the coaching yeah. and, and it was not well received. Uh, yeah. So, so that's, that's pretty good advice right there. I agree yeah. with that. So kind of changing gears a little bit and uh, or just a little bit really, but if you were to give a presentation or, or say teach a college class on a topic other than swimming, what would that be? Uh, building relationships. I think um, understanding how how to talk to people. 
you know, I think that's, that's uh, definitely something that we uh, as coaches don't talk about enough. Yeah, you can train a kid all, and have all the science and have all the background you want. But if you don't have that knack for connecting with, with, with somebody, um, you, all that training and knowledge won't go anywhere, you know, because there's so many different types of athletes, so many different types of people out there that you know, we have to learn how to, how to deal with them and learn how to communicate with them better. And I would say there's a class out there. I think I I talked to that because I'm, you know, and I'm not trying to, to toot my own horn, but I've been always been able to weave in and out of different circles, so to speak. You know, like I've uh, different types of friends during my personal life, but then also have different types of coaching friends as well. A lot of coaches don't get along together. <laughs> I always seem to get along with both of them, <laughs> yeah, so to speak. You know, and I think uh, I think. Unfortunately, that's just one of the perils of our sport as well. I think if we all learn how to, to communicate, how to talk to each other, and put our egos aside, I think we go a lot farther, you know, as a, as a coaching community. And 100% agree there. Uh, do you have any hobbies outside of swimming? Any other things that, I mean, you have three kids, so that takes up a lot of time. I, I would yeah. say anything else that takes your time, but I, I can see that having three young boys. <laughs> uh, I'll say when those three came along, you know, I had a lot of things, I had a lot of time to do things. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, it's funny, I'm, I'm really into music. Um, before I got married, I actually used to DJ, uh, DJ coach at the same time, <laughs> I believe they were able to do that. Oh, wow. um, but, um, yeah, I, I like reading. I like, um, Hanging out, I guess. Uh, writing. I used to be a big writer, um, pre-family, um, and uh, yeah, just I, so I have very, live a very simple life now. Yeah. So it's not not much to really that really go for, except for my family. <laughs> family yeah. is like my priority now. That, that that's cool. That's a lot actually with the, with the reading, the DJing, the the music. That's pretty cool. And I, again, I always like asking these questions because obviously the most of the conversation is going to be about swimming, but I think it's good for everybody to hear that we do have interests and things that we do outside of swimming as well. Yeah. Even though swimming does, does take a, a good chunk of our time. Yeah. Um, do you, I mean, I, I would guess that right now you probably do have a routine because I feel like everybody I talk to the days look like the same <laughs> groundhog days, but once we were in kind of like a more normal setup, would you, would you say you had a routine like that your days or at least parts of your, of your day would look the same? Yeah. Well, so it's, it's funny you ask that because my, uh, my routines have changed the older that my kids have gotten. And so like right now I have a two year old in the house. And so he, until we just put it, we just recently put him in daycare. Yeah. He was walking around here and I, I had to be here for him, you know, while my wife worked. Um, but now that both that all three kids are, you know, in school per se, I'm able to have a little bit more of a solid routine. And the fact that I wake up in the mornings, I, uh, I gather my thoughts, so to speak. Um, put in like sort of like these days I like to walk and, uh, and think about things. And then I go into the office and I'm, uh, <laughs> You know, I don't like looking at a computer screen for very long, but I'm I'm a hard admin kind of guy. Like I'm, I'm I like looking at numbers. I do a lot of reports. I uh, you know write my workouts way ahead of time. 
um, you know, when it comes to, to, to writing workouts, for instance, like I, I, I know what I want when the season begins and I already have my template written out. So it's not hard for me to write workouts for it, but I do have to find time to do them. And so, you know, after like around 11, when I go into the office, that's what I do. I, I write my workout first. I do all my admin stuff. I am very, I'm a numbers heavy kind of guy. Um, like I said, like I, I pride myself in building teams and I look and see like, you know, performances of my assistants for losing kids, gaining kids, and then figuring out why, <laughs> why it could be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, and then you know, going from there. So yeah, I, I live a pretty normal life. I mean, my wife thinks about life is crazy. Most of my friends think my life is crazy because I never have time for anything. Um, but I think it's pretty normal for me. Way better than it was when I was younger, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I like the the question about routine. I'm personally, I'm a routine guy, but I was impressed with how many coaches I met that were not. Yeah. And, and I think also partly because the practice schedule oftentimes dictates so much of the routine, especially when you have morning practice a couple of days a week and not on the other. So things change okay. a lot. Yeah. But I personally like having first two hours, three hours even of my day kind of look like the same. It kind of helps me sense yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, having kids has definitely changed the game for me. I mean, it's uh, my oldest is seven. So I'm going seven years of having children. <laughs> but uh but yeah i figured because uh, you know morning practice i do have that period when i do get home where the house is completely silent i'm the one who wakes everybody else up okay and um yeah, that's the time i use to, for myself yeah. i don't know if you hear somebody screaming there. yeah yeah <laughs> i can definitely hear the background it's okay <laughs> so and you mentioned you already mentioned you uh like writing your workouts ahead of time how far ahead of time do you usually do that um well in beginning of the season i i basically plan out all my weeks so i have my 16 to 17 week seasons and i figure out like what i want to do each week from day one and so when it comes to playing you know writing the workout itself i just have to look and see what what's the, the plan is for that week and um go go from there you know um usually on mondays I um, yeah, write all the workouts for that, that week. Sometimes, not, I wouldn't say all the time, but most of the time I do. Um, but it really starts from day one and when I'm playing the season. It's like, yeah, I have in my mind what needs to be done, all the test sets, all the uh, different types of training, you know, like kick percentages. You know, I tell myself we need to get, um, say, like 10% better at pulling. You know, and 10%, it's like, I look at the calendar, I say, okay, we we'll need to be at least 5% better by this point by doing certain sets. I, I think in that sense, it's, it's kept me um, on task with, like, what what my plan is. Like, I, I don't, I, I've never gone on a deck uh, and just written a workout. Like, I'm a very, very planned individual when it comes to that. I know a lot of coaches do that, but I can't do that. I, I need to have some sort of plan. Um, I use uh, workout system coaches so I know how much time I have left, you know, for it with each, uh, with each workout. And, you know, I don't know, I think I've been like that since, since the days of, of, of studying all those books, you know, I, I did all, I, I, I want to say I immersed myself for two full years of 
learning the 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 science of swimming and it's it's always stuck with me since then you know so i when it comes to group planning you know i've i've been that way i i'm, I'm not a just coach as i go kind of guy okay yeah like even looking at percentages that's that's pretty pretty cool pretty yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so, I have somewhat a unique of, i guess yeah i have a lot of friends of mine that they make fun of all the percentage charts that i have i have a ton of percentage charts, <laughs> you know it charts period but you know and it's it's funny as technology has come you know like uh the ipad has become a very good friend of mine because i don't carry all my charts with me anymore like i used to so they're all on my ipad so yeah. oh I, you do carry them you just don't carry them in paper anymore <laughs> yeah 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 exactly so it's like you know, i punch it in and it pops yeah. up for me and you mentioned workouts for swim coaches that's uh software an app for yeah providing yes. workouts yeah you know it's it's been out for a while um the whole reason I even have an iPad is because of that app. Um, it's just one of those things like you can spin around. I guess right now it's kind of archaic because it's, it's old technology, but it helps me plan my workout to make sure I don't miss or I don't go overboard. Cause you know, our team is so big um, that, you know, we're very like, pressed on time. And so I need to make sure if I'm going to plan a two hour workout that we do get out in two hours but also make sure I get enough yardage and enough, you know, percentages with, with, with what I would need to get out of everything, you know, and it helps me track percentages. It helps me do everything. So I don't think about it on my own anymore. Do you usually write it straight on the software? Cause I know some people like, just like writing pen on paper and then transfer to the software and some people just go straight to the software. Cause it's yeah. So when I, when I first got it, I used to do that. I used to write it on paper first and then type it in. Um, because I have volumes of composition books from like way back in the day or I used to write it out because I was so used to writing my workouts and then logging them. But now, no, I go, I just go do it straight onto the, onto the iPad and, uh, you know, I'll be walking one day or just thinking one day and I'll come up with a set idea and I'll write it down at first, but then eventually I'll put it into the iPad. And, okay. Yeah. So. All right. And, um, kind of switching gears a little bit again but one topic that i've tried to talk to coaches when i've been having these conversations is about hiring assistant coaches and you mentioned a lot about uh the way you try to mentor your assistant coaches but one thing that has kind of uh, uh fascinated me recently is like how do people go about finding assistant coaches for their team so do you have a do you have a process there you know, just like anybody else, finding assistant coaches is extremely hard. You know, fortunately for us, like we, we've always seemed to have um, had coaches come to us and we just happen to have a position open. You know, I feel very lucky in that sense. Um, but also, like, we, we have a good system at our pool where our swim instructors, uh, you know, our former swimmers, and uh, they learn all the basics of stroke development there. And so if they're ready to be come up to the next level, we can pull them out from the swim lesson programs. But I think overall, it's like assistance, yeah, it's, it's a really tough thing. I mean, they're, they're not to be people that, that a, you can really depend on to do what we do because what we do, it may seem great to most people but when they actually do it and they uh, see how much time, how much time it consumes and you know it's it's a different story you know they want 
they coach the best kids, you know, and they want to have the highest pay, but that's not really the reality of, of what we do. It, that, that takes a while, which yeah. uh, I'm, I'm going to hit on uh, in a minute here. Uh, but uh, so let's say, for example, you are bringing somebody, I guess when you're bringing somebody from inside your lessons program, things are always a little easier because they've yeah. been part of the program to a degree. Yeah. But if you bring somebody from outside and you're trying to do that onboarding process and getting, getting them up to speed to how your team operates, yeah. do you have a, any kind of plan for that or do you have any things that you make sure you do to, so that, that yeah. So, well? so we, we have, by, we have, uh, we have meetings every two weeks, coaches meetings every two weeks. Um, so we, during our coaches meetings, we, we talk about, you know, admin stuff, but then we also talk about trading and, and we have a certain process for all our teams. I actually like talking about things going on this week, like just these two weeks that we've been out, we've been, doing our zoom calls within the staff and talking about like direction and where we're going to go for the season, you know? And so we talk, we have a lot of conversations about, you know, not just technique, but like training, you know, how to talk to kids uh, because there's a certain way, you know, one of the things, one of the goals is for a kid who gets in our beginner level that they understand the language that we speak all the way to the very top you know, and understand that like there's a certain way that we train them from when they first joined the team. It's not just everybody do however they want it to do. You know, and that goes back to, you know, when I first started coaching um, and, you know, the coach had brought me on just say, Hey, just do, do what you know. And ended up becoming a disaster, you know? So I, I don't believe in that at all. Like I think it's, we have to, as head coaches have to put uh, the program forward of what we want our coaches to do and not, not necessarily justify it, but like have them understand like why we're doing it that way, you know, and not just saying this is my way or the highway, but kind of explain to, to them why we're doing it. And is there, we kind of talked about some books and stuff that you referenced to, is there anything that when you're bringing people into your staff, you want to make sure they've been exposed to in terms of books or articles or anything, other resources? Um, yeah, actually, there is. I, it's funny you mentioned that because I'm, there's, there's a, a talk that Larry Schof, uh, you know, the, the late Larry Schof, uh made back in, uh, I want to say it was like 2008 or something like 2007. I, I can't, I can't, I'm not sure exactly when it was, uh, but he talked about uh, how he rebuilt uh, the Sarasota Y. And how the Sarasota Y came to prominence and then, you know, became the team that it became uh, once he got there. Um, and anybody knows Larry Shelf, you know, he was very, like, uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't ever say, it, it goes back to like, like be, being young and wishing I had a relationship with somebody. And he's definitely somebody I wish I had a relationship with because uh, I didn't. I met him like, at an Olympic trials and he finally said, Oh, Hey, Justin, I didn't even know he knew my name, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, he coached at bowls, he went over to Sarasota and, just, and just built Sarasota, this like powerhouse. that was unbelievable. And I always wondered like, you know, how the heck did he do that? And then luckily he spoke at a NASA convention and there's a transcript from it. And he's, he, he basically like details everything that he, he did at Sarasota to make that team, what it is 
And so every coach that we've ever had onto our team, like I, I have a copy of it and I give it to them and say, here, you need to read this so you can understand a little bit more of what we're all about, you know, and simple things like, you know, that people don't notice at first, but then when you hear me say it, like you walk on their pool deck, all our swimmers have the same, have a team cap on, you know, our colors are, are red, white, and blue, but our team cap is red. Everybody wears a red cap on the team. And that was something I got from Larry. Um, they, you know, when he got to Sarasota, everybody wore a yellow cap, you know, conveniently everybody was part of the system, everybody that they, they understood what hard, what, what being part of that Sarasota team was. And as minimal as it was, not everybody likes wearing the same cap, you know, but if you, if you command that, and if you have that right from the get go, then you understand you're a part of like, like what it's a one team kind of thing. And just, um, you know, being strong with uh, keeping your senior group um, and, and keeping, like, um, you know, the, the rules that you have for your, your top group, you know, we're having 100% attendance, you know, and not missing practice for anything. You know, he talks about that and how he had troubles implementing that. But in the long run, it worked out for him. You know, he had a couple of kids who wanted to quit because of his rules, but he stuck with it and, they became the best, the best team out there, in my opinion. I mean, it's a very fascinating read, um, but I, I learned a lot from it, and I always passed it on to her. And I have like a little blurb that I wrote afterwards. I was like, "This is why this, this, this is important for you to understand because it's, it's, I based our team on that. Actually, the past three teams on that because I, <laughs> I, I, I read it when I was at Swimmaking, and Coach Lee and I would talk about it a lot, and we implemented a lot of stuff that read then into a team and I think it's still that way. I'm not really quite sure. That that's Jason. But a lot of things that we did back then, you know, were passed on even at Blue Wave and now to Southwest Stars. So yeah, I would say Larry Show Larry Show's talk okay. on how it was I think it's called um how to how to how to rebuild an unsuc- unsuccessful program or something like that. I'm gonna and funny enough with that going to Chuck Burgess at, at Brandon uh, Chuck was coaching at YTO when Larry Schoff was there. And Chuck has a story that they that YTO had just won flags or, or something. And um, they were all in the box at, in Orlando. And if you've been to Orlando, pool, you know there's a big box where they have the computers and all that there. Um, anyway, they were hanging out in the, in the box. And, uh, and and Chuck was there. And Larry Schoff walks in. And he asked the computer guy, so let me let me have a – printout of the team scores and you got to print out a team scores and it had Sarasota Y it was like third or something like that and then he looked at, at, at uh, Chuck because they had won the meet and he said okay it's the last time that you guys are ever going to beat us and he never did <laughs> <laughs> you know? I think that's I think that's an amazing thing to say that that's going to happen. And he made it, he made it happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it like, I tell that story. Cause you know, like Chuck said, it was, it really happened. It's almost like an urban legend kind of like story, but you know, it happens. And that's how Sarasota, it's the attitude of wanting to be the best, you know, and how that team became the best, you know? And I think Brent Arkey right now, he's doing a really good job uh, maintaining that. And I have a lot of respect for him. And he's, he's a head coach now. He uh, he does a really good. I think Sarasota, it's great. And he and I go back and forth about you know wanting to be the best team in Florida, and we we know it. 
And we, that's what we strive for. I mean, we at South of Stars, that's what we, that's what we strive for. Okay. So it's to be the best. That's pretty cool. I'm definitely going to look that up and see if I can actually link to, uh, to the print out of that or to the Ask a Page with, with that on, on the show notes. But that, that's a good one. I don't think I've ever read that, that particular talk. But I'm going to look it up for sure. Yeah, if, uh, if anything, I can see if I can have it. I'll send it to you so you can have it. It's All a good right. one. Yeah, def- yeah, definitely want to take a look at it now. And um, so next, or last question on kind of staff development, it is kind of a pie in the sky type of question, which is if you had unlimited money to spend on professional development for you or for your staff, how do you think you would spend it? I would actually, like if I had unlimited money, I'd send them to as many clubs as possible. I'd say a top, top 100 clubs in the country. I would send my, my, my coaches to every single one and I'd try to spend a week seeing how they do, how they do that. Uh, you know, I think it's, uh, it's one thing to read and to, uh, to attend all these uh, conferences and the things, but I think the best way of learning is just to be on the deck. You know, you've done it. You, you know, you know how, how much, how much you get out of it. It's, yeah. uh, it's a whole different experience when you go there and you see, see it in action. I, I spent some time and it was brief. I wish I could have spent some more time looking at, uh, Michael Norman, uh, last time I went to Atlanta, and just seeing how he coached. So we like it's just amazing to see, you know, how he coached. He told me the same thing. You know, he didn't learn it from books. He just went around and and learns uh, by through action. You know, right. and I think sometimes you know, and I I don't know if anybody else feels this way. You know, you go to a conference and you hear these, these presenters saying, oh, we did this, we did that. Then you in the back of your mind, like, did you really do that? <laughs> <laughs> or how you was know? it? Sometimes, it, even if you did, it's like, so how was it on the day-to-day, right? What, yeah. What, how was it to actually implement that? I, yeah, it's definitely, I agree. I, what I've been saying is, uh, yeah, like back in the fall, I took a 50-day trip visiting clubs. And I'd say, don't ever do that long because <laughs> I had to stop halfway and kind of write down notes and, and decompress. And I was, it was pretty cool because it was kind of the goal to be on the road for a long time and definitely had a great time. But um, yeah, I agree that visiting clubs and being on deck with coaches and seeing how they interact with their athletes every day is, is the largest part of it. Because seeing, here's the, here's the training program, here's the sets we did. That stuff helps, but it really is not the... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I want to see like the, the problems that they have, you know, like when when a kid, an athlete doesn't respond to a certain set, you know, how they 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 deal with them, you know, and right. we've all had them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if there's a coach, if there's a coach out there that says they don't have problems, uh, you know, motivating athletes all the time, I want to know. I don't want to see that in right. action because yeah. I don't quite believe it, you know. <laughs> it's just like the, the hard days, you know, where there's a big disagreement and. Yeah, how do they handle that? Like I've always wanted to see like the 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 not so pretty part of the whole Bowman Phelps, you know, relationship. You know, like those practices where they they were going at each other all the time. You know, we've all heard about it, yeah. We've never seen it. You know what I mean? We've seen the end product, and I think it's important for coaches, even younger coaches, to see that you know we all have those problems. We all different, but deal with them differently. Yeah, and that 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 is one that I absolutely would like to see because that the the end of that story there is there hasn't been an athlete that stuck with a coach for that long and obviously there hasn't been an athlete as successful as as michael yeah so how 
how do they both made it work through the ugly parts yeah and, and yeah. stuck together yeah uh, that's yeah, fascinating I, yeah it's funny you know those of us in the know know that there was a lot of those ugly parts you know and but <laughs> yeah it's it's like it's an urban legend now man that's right <laughs> <laughs> you know, that you know, it's not all sunshine and rainbows yeah I think with any any top athletes, not sunshine and rainbows. I mean, I could tell you like Peter Deal with with uh, with Brooke Bennett, you know, and, and he'll tell you because he'll be very open about it. I mean, there were days where they didn't like each other, right? You know, and uh, but that's what it takes. It's that type of kind of relationship. It's not always going to be pretty. But at least you have a relationship with them, you know. Right? Yeah, there's still there's still a relationship and, and trust, so that the, yeah. the bad days don't don't quite erode the relationship. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, who was, uh, who was the coach at Santa Clara for a long time where that he, uh, he was, he's there in the nineties. They wrote a book about him. They'll come to me eventually. I, um, said tip of my tongue. I, I can't, I'm getting old. I'm like losing <laughs> here, but, um, I remember talking to him one time and he was, uh, one of the biggest, um, piece of advice he gave me was that you know swimmers have to have some sort of relationship with you whether it's good or bad but if they don't have a relationship with chip with you then you have nothing right you know and i thought about that it's like you know it's it's unbelievable that had the power of that kind of statement yeah because you, know? you have you have swimmers who might adore you but you have some swimmers who may hate you but the ones who are always in between who have like no feelings for you there's no connection there that's true. Yeah, absolutely. I can't remember. I need to think. Oh, I know. I'll remember his name. <laughs> I don't remember. I do remember. Don't, do not remember who that is actually as well. Uh, so we again in the beginning here we made that right now we have all sorts of uh, forced changes to training or mm -hmm. training not happening. Before this, you mentioned many times you're kind of old school. But had you made any kind of recent changes to the way you approach training or any? tools you you had incorporated or any type of sets that you had been doing a little bit more lately um you know like i i dabbled with and everybody hates that word with usrp for a while <laughs> yeah i dabbled with it and i say dabbled in the fact that I, I used it for a season um but i didn't really like it you know i, I um this is how i why i say i'm old school and in fact that like i I try things, you know, just like any other coach, but if they, they don't, and if I don't get a good feeling with them, I just kind of abandon them. And then USRPT was one of them. Like, I think that the, the, the science behind it makes sense. It does, but the actual execution of it is not what, what everybody thinks it is. You know, if you do it daily and you do it the way it's supposed to, to be done, you have to have that really special athlete to do it, you know? Right. And most athletes aren't, I feel like today's athlete is disciplined enough to really do it that way, you know? And I think in order to quote unquote, let's say force kids to get out of their comfort zone, I think going back to the old school is the, the way to do it, you know? And, I'm, and when I say going back to the old school, it's not so much like going to distance or anything like that. Cause I, you know, I've, I'm a product of distance swimming. I, I didn't like it when I, when I did, did it, but I understand where it has its place. Um, but I also understand now that swimmers, there are different types of swimmers that respond to different types of training. And it's just finding that, that happy medium for it, you know, 
And uh, yeah, I guess what I say old school, I like I'm more like um like Doc Councilman kind of old school. You know, like that those type of like swimming sets. Okay. Ones that, that have the science the science behind them. Right. Um uh, so I guess last kind of like a big topic I like to tackle here and, and it's also something that we kind of dabbled in and out through, during this conversation, which is the, the challenges of coaching as a profession. You kind of mentioned that at one point in life, you thought there's no way I'm going to be able to manage this and have a family. We kind of talked about how in finding young assistant coaches, sometimes the salary is kind of hard to attract somebody that's, that's really good at what they do. And so, again, I, I think this is a conversation that I actually starting to see it happen now here and there. But up until recently, we didn't have that conversation in terms of how in terms of the challenges that coaching as a career have. So I don't know if you have comments on that or things that you have you think have helped you mitigate and, and diminish some of those challenges and, and now kind of like I mentioned, now you're in a situation where you do have a family and you do uh, manage it pretty well. From well, you know, like it's funny because now I'm, I'm part of a generation of coaches uh, that, that, you know, we've all come up the same way. Those of us who are in our 40s, I'd say between like 37, 37 to 47, that, that 10-year gap, like that's uh, our own generation of coaches. Um, you know, if you're younger than that or older than that, you're not like us. In uh, the fact that, like, I think, like, when we were younger, we did whatever it took to become a coach, you know, whether it would be, and, and it wasn't really monetarily, like, driven for us. You know, I think a lot of the old coaches probably agree with that, too, but I think my, my generation specifically, you know, we would put in, like, 60, maybe 70-hour work weeks, you know, and only claim about 40 <laughs> you know, it's stuff, it's stupid stuff like that. But because we were so passionate about wanting to be good, I think the newer generation right now is totally different. You know, like they, they do see that they, if they're going to put the, the, the amount of time in, they're going to, um, you know, they want the, the monetary um, benefits from it, you know, and, and it's, it's different. Like it's, and I don't know how to explain it. You know, it just, uh, Younger coaches want to be want to be paid for the time they're putting in without wanting to necessarily learn, you know, or, or have the the um, how to deal with the hard days, you know, and 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 say that you know there are going to be days or there are things you have to do that go beyond getting paid to be better, you know. And I think uh, the older generation, I mean, they've, they put in their time, but, you know, they also sacrificed a lot to get to where they are. <laughs> I just, sorry. I'm like, I'm seriously, <laughs> I'm outside and I just saw an eagle or something get a squirrel from a tree. That was pretty <laughs> amazing. So you're looking at me going like, what the heck just happened? That just happened. <laughs> so things about doing this on yeah. Zoom. Uh, so I got distracted. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, I think the older generation, I mean, they did whatever it took to succeed. And, you know, they um, put, put through some really hard sacrifices that, that affected a lot of things. But I think my generation, we're very aware of, we have to balance our lives out better. 
you know, and, you know, we did the time when we were younger and now this is a time for us to enjoy our families and whatnot, you know, as opposed to younger generations who are, you know, I put in 40 hours and that's it. You know, if you, if you want me to do anything else, you know, you need to pay me more, you know, and that's just not how it works. Yeah. And I think, I think at some point in time, we, we're going to have to find the the balance there in between because the, the analogy that I've made to some people is uh, you being a starting salary coach versus being a starting salary teacher. And we said those two things are kind of the same and you have to have pretty good people skills to be a, to be a good coach. Yeah. And, and nobody's saying that teachers are making the bank right now. Right. Yeah. But still the, the salary gap between those two professions is still pretty, yeah, pretty significant. Yeah, but not only that, but you also have to prove yourself too. Right. Even at the entry level, I mean, we've all gone through them where we have, you know, coaches who seem like they were going to be good, and then like, oh yeah, there's two or three weeks into it, you're like, yeah, okay, this isn't working at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, So I mean, it's it's a lot of, and that's a that's a big. if you're going to give it, give somebody a chance, you really want to make sure you've done your homework about them to make sure they're going to do what you want them to do. You know, and it's, it's a big, uh, it's a big investment, I guess, to give them a big salary. Right. Uh, and not really knowing like what, what you're going to get out of it. You know, it's bad to even think that, but you know, when you have a team of like 200 plus kids, you know, and you're expecting, that coach to develop 40 of them to a certain level, they don't, and you end up losing them. You know, that's not worth your money, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you, you mentioned that you made some changes that now allow you to be able to uh, have a fun besides moving from one team to another and now being in a different setup with the team you're at right now with Southwest Stars. Would you have any tips for people out there to say like this is this is how it's possible? Yeah, I think um, I think would be I think I waited a while to have kids. You know, I'm 44, and uh, my youngest right now is seven. So like we we took our time to have kids. Like, uh, well, actually, I, <laughs> I take that back because I didn't get married until eight <laughs> years ago. So <laughs> we didn't take our time to have kids. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I was very careful on like you know relationships I had when I was younger on like where it was. I was very open with um, the type of hours I put in, you know, with my, my current wife right now when we were dating, I told her, I was like, you know, if you could survive the summer with me, I think we're good. <laughs> you know, uh, it's just uh, the, the amount of hours to be uh, a really good swim coach is a lot. And I think if uh, if you're going to bring somebody like the in and in out on your life with that, they have to understand that, um, you know, whether it's a former swimmer, well, not a former swimmer of your own team, but a former person who swam, or a coach that understands it. You know, the, the ordinary person doesn't understand it. You know, my wife didn't understand swimming at all when we first met her when we first met, um, but she went through like a summer with me and was like, "You're never home. You're never doing this." I'm like. I know this is, this is this is my life, but we we clicked and we were able to make it work, and we ended up getting married. And you know now she deals with it with kids. You know, there's certain months where I'm going to be gone every single weekends, and um, you know she understands that. But she, I gave her, 
I think if I were to give any tips to any people who are thinking about that, I think it's to be as open as possible and honest with your significant other before you start talking about going to the next level with that relationship because they have to understand what your life is for it, you know, and um, we can make it work, but it's a lot of sacrifice that comes with it. So. All right. So uh, just a couple more questions here before we wrap up. And uh, one of them is if you could pick three skills or qualities that you would like all the athletes that go through your program to have by the time they're done with you, what would those be? I would say the number one uh, quality would be like how to work together as a unit. You know, I, 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 I preach this all the time to my swimmers, you know, in order for the individual to get better, the group has to be in line as well. You know, it can't just be one person doing all the sets. Everybody has to do a set together to push each other to be better. And I think if there were, you know, any swimmer that graduates um, from our program, I think if they can learn that, that, you know, teamwork does work, no matter how individual you are, uh, I think it will take you a long ways. And uh, I also, with that note, balancing your time. You know, I think time balance is a big part of it as well. Um, because our sport's not easy. We have to put a lot of time into it. But at the same time, school's not easy as well. But they have to be able to balance all of it. And there are people that are able to do it. So the excuse that it's impossible is not really impossible because there are other people that are able to do it. Yeah. So I'd say those two things, teamwork and time balance are the most important things. All right. Pretty cool. And then here's the last question that I always ask, which is what do you think is the most important thing that people should know about you? About me? Yeah. If, after all this conversation, all, all we talked about, there was one, one thing you say, this is what I like people to, to know about me. Well, you know, in, in all honesty, I'm a very introverted person. It's, um, I'm, I'm very shy. And because of what I do, it's, it's actually like become one of those things where it's put me in, it's taken me out of my comfort zone. Um, because I'm a, I am a very shy person. It's very funny because my wife is not shy at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're very opposites. Um, but, you know, you're not going to see me front and center you know, preaching, you know, something. I'm, I'm just not that type of person. I'm very, to myself, very quiet. Um, I've been like that since I was a kid. But I'm able to do this as a profession and be successful at it. So it's an interesting balance. Interesting. That's pretty cool. So first of all, thanks again for taking the time. This is pretty good. Thank you for, I mean, obviously we can hear your kids in the background, so you could be checking in with them during this time. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down. Yeah, no problem. I'm trying to mute when they come by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fine. And so the, the last thing is, I don't know if you have any, any closing thoughts or if you like to put any, uh, ways for people to get in touch with you if people that are listening would like to get in touch or ask some questions or, or maybe follow social media so anything that you like to put out there yeah I think like um, you know going back on like the times that we're in right now I mean this whole uh, pandemic has completely changed the game for a lot of us and I think uh, we ought to go back to our values as humans and realize that you know we're all in it together you know there isn't anybody who has an advantage over anybody else and that 
you know, in order for us to get through the hard times, we have to do it. You know, we have to just put down our walls, put our egos aside and figure out how we're going to get through it together. I think especially like the swimming community, there's too many people that are, you know, at war or whatever, like words get thrown around. And, you know, I just think it's time for us to just take a couple steps back, think of our humanity and to try to make our sport work because everybody's suffering. Um, but there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. If we work together, we keep this communication up. You know, we can support each other to get through this hard time. And I think that's an important thing, especially now. That's awesome. Yeah. Great way to, to end, really. But yeah. Thanks again. I, I really appreciate it. I'm sure uh, people are going to get a lot out of this as well. Yeah. Thank, thank you. This, is, this has been fun. And that was it for another episode of the Swim Coaching Transit podcast. As always, thanks for listening. And if you made it to the end, I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy this, please take a few seconds to give this podcast five stars or a positive review on whatever podcast player you use. And if you like to hear more shows like this, go ahead and subscribe. Once again, I'd like to thank Justin for taking the time for this long interview. Even though we're not on deck right now, I believe we're all spending quite a bit of time trying to figure out this new world reality we're living in. And he could very well have been spending this time with his kids instead. So I really appreciate it. By the way, of course, once we stop recording, we remember Dick Joshon's name, who coached Santa Clara in the 70s. And his coaching of Tom Wilkins and Kurt Grode is part of the book Gold in the Water, which is a great book I have on my shelf, so I can't believe I didn't connect it when he was talking about it. Anyway, you can find a link to that book and all other resources we talked about on the show notes on my blog, swimcoachintransit.com that's swimcoachintransit all spelled out together in lowercase with no dashes or special characters and thanks as always to my good friend Madhu for the soundtrack to this podcast and also thanks to Zapslat for the sound effects and that's it thanks again and I hope you catch the next one